0: Welcome to Someday Is Here, a podcast for Asian American women on leadership and culture. I'm your host, Vivian Mabuni. This podcast has been created to carve out a space for Asian American women to explore and validate living in both Eastern and Western worlds. Each week we will celebrate our heritage and highlight Asian American history. My guests and I will explore our various Asian American journeys, both the parts that we are proud of and the parts that have brought pain. We'll discuss practical tips on leadership and our favorite comfort foods, of course. This is a place and a space to bring words and understanding to our shared experience living biculturally. I am so glad you're listening and look forward to your feedback. Enjoy the show. Hello, friends, and welcome back to season two of Someday Is Here. I am your host, Vivian Mabuni, and I am so excited. It's season two, and it's a new year and a new decade, and there are so many incredible women that I have the privilege of introducing you to in the coming weeks. So thanks for joining us. And uh, before I jump into today's interview, I wanted to encourage you. This is the last chance, this is the week for you to get your tickets for the Someday Is Here live event happening this Saturday, February 22nd here in Southern California. It's a one-day event from nine to four. And one of the fun things about this particular live event is that we will, in fact, tape a live podcast with the guests from season one and season two who will be in attendance. So um, we have, it's just an all-star uh, lineup of speakers who are going to be sharing really honestly and vulnerably about how it's been as an Asian American woman feeling invisible at times or feeling like um, we just have to work harder and try harder in everything because because we represent the entire people group. Um, we're going to address issues of mental illness and when life doesn't turn out how we thought it was going to be, whether it's through a diagnosis of a child with special needs or dealing with um, feeling invisible because of not being represented in different areas Uh, we are going to have um, story slam we're going to have um, a lunch that's provided the tickets are only thirty dollars i mean it's and there's going to be a swag bag some of you just love the swag we have swag Um, we're going to have uh, optional breakout seminars that will cover areas of leadership and self-care, and um, social justice, and our response as Asian American women. Uh, it's just going to be fantastic, and I just can't encourage you enough to join us. If you want more information, you can look online at my website VivianMabuni.com, or if you're on Instagram at um, vivmabuni. Or at someday's here podcast. Both of the profiles have have they have Linktree links where you can connect and purchase your ticket there. So join us. We would love to have you be part of this first time event. So yes, someday's here live event happening this week. And now I have the privilege of introducing to you the first guest of season two's Someday is here podcast. I am thrilled to introduce to you singer, songwriter, actor Jennifer Chung. Um, she is so well known in the YouTube world. Her YouTube video, she did um, an Alicia Keys cover back in 2007 and her video went viral. She is such a gifted artist. Um, I started listening to her her page on Spotify and her music. Is phenomenal. She just has such a soulful voice that's just so deep and rich and uh, just she's so easy to listen to. And I just loved our conversation. She and I, she lives in Atlanta. Uh, she's born in Korea and raised in the Bay Area and now lives out in Atlanta with her husband, who's a rapper. And they have a podcast together and we will link up all this information um, in the show notes. But we just had a fantastic. Conversation about her journey as an Asian American woman um, and what she's learned over the years growing up in a single, with a single mom, and, you know, trying to make it work with dealing with feeling left out, not only as an Asian American woman, but especially because she lived um, within a lower socioeconomic uh, place. So she just was really honest in sharing some of her lessons that she learned through that. So the conversation I just so appreciated, and her music is fantastic, and she's in fact released her most recent song that we will hopefully link up as well in our show notes. So without further ado, the amazing and beautiful Jennifer Chung, enjoy Well, welcome to season two of Someday Is Here, the podcast. Woo-hoo! woohoo! Yes, cannot even believe it. We actually have one season under our belt and we're coming in hot with the fantastic Jennifer Chung coming in all the way from Atlanta. So we have some mutual friends, Jennifer. Let's talk about some of them and maybe how we got connected. And I would love to go from there and hear your story.
1: Well, first of all, I'm so thankful that you're taking the time to talk with me because I've been meaning to meet you. And this is a great way to do it, kicking off season two. So I'm thankful. Um, yeah. And we did have um, plenty of mutual friends. Um, you also interviewed one of my friends, Michelle, um, in, the, oh. in the first season. Mm-hmm.
0: How do you Gina, know She you see your friend together. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What a yeah, special no idea. Time. Okay, so we yeah. have Michelle as connection, and then Amina, Tasha Morrison, Tasha Amina Brown, mm-hmm. Tony Collier. Yes. I mean, you know all of the best people in Atlanta.
1: <laughs> I mean, you do too. <laughs> oh, gosh.
0: Well, it was so fun because when the when the um, first season started rolling out, I think Tony and Tasha, like they were both like, you need to meet Jennifer. Uh-huh. So they were messaging me immediately. So I'm just so thrilled that, you're here for season two. Yeah.
1: yeah, I know them because, you know, we're, we're all creatives in different ways. And mm-hmm. they're doing great work here in Atlanta, being inclusive with diversity and um, just strong women in the industries that they're involved with. Mm-hmm. And um, my husband and I, on top of doing music and other creative work like that, uh, we also have our own digital media company. So uh, we work with Tasha in that sense for Be the Bridge. And um, yeah, my husband's shot a lot of their video uh, videos and photos. So um, it's been fun working together. And I met Tony on a set where my husband and I were, you know, we're a married couple and um, her and Sam, we -hmm. were all being interviewed for a curriculum thing. And we got to know each other in that way. Ah. And um, John and Amina had been friends for a while because of Matt, her husband and just doing a lot of music shows together, right? The yeah, DJ. and I would say music show. exactly, yeah. exactly. And Amina um, is one of the first friends I made when I moved here, and I love her so much, so supportive. I think there are people mm-hmm. who are like, yeah, I support you, and then there are people who show you that they support you, and yeah, Amina's definitely been one of those people.
0: Oh yeah, I totally agree. I met Tasha and Amina um, probably what five or six years ago, and they have remained faithful friends. And yes. they're the kind of people that when they're in town, it's like just make make way and make time to be able to spend time together. So
1: yeah, all is- these women just like light up a room when they enter.
0: That's really true. That's really true. So I feel like we're already, like, we're we're already family. So (laughs) it makes (laughs) it really fun to have a conversation. (laughs) Okay, so for my listeners, and for me even, I would love to kind of back up and just start, I would love to hear your ethnic journey as a Korean American woman and, you know, just kind of growing up what it was, what it was like for you and even how you ended up in the music industry, the, you know, just this very non-traditional Asian, <laughs> you're not a doctor, lawyer or an engineer. No,
1: no. <laughs> so, let's, <laughs> so let's start from early on. Sure. So I was actually born in Korea mm-hmm. and I was a daughter of uh, my mother, who is a dance teacher And my father, who was a comedian turned singer turned activist. So I can say that I come from a very atypical Korean family.
2: Mm -hmm. And,
1: you know, there's a big narrative about how like parents aren't supportive of you pursuing your endeavors. I would say that that was never my story. And Mm -hmm. it was hard for me to find people I could relate with in that way. Because it's not that my parents didn't support me. They were like, of course, you could do whatever you want to do but Mm -hmm. they didn't have the financial means to support my dreams. So um, growing up, I saw how hard it was to make a living doing art. And my Mm -hmm. parents split when I was really young. I was probably six years old, but my parents were separated before that. I Mm -hmm. think I recognized that as a child. And I have one younger brother who also is a musician, so we just couldn't
2: mm. stay away. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's in the blood. It's in the blood, and um, yeah, in Korean, there's a thing that says um, you can't fool blood. Mm. So that's we've definitely followed our family's footsteps in pursuing art. But um, yeah, like my mom raised us on her own in the Bay Area, teaching Korean traditional dance. She was actually a modern dance major, and her bachelor's and her master's but couldn't make a living doing that here so she Mm -hmm. had to teach Korean traditional dance and so I grew up doing that and um, being part of her dance troupe but I just saw how financially difficult it was for us Mm -hmm. like we grew up on food stamps Um, because my dad was in Korea he didn't necessarily help with child support so Mm -hmm. um, I'm really proud of my mom for being able to help us survive for that long but I think I, I became jaded at a very young age. And I told myself, uh, if this is the life that artists live, like I don't know if I want to be a part of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, my mom still to this day teaches dance. And when I was younger, I low-key resented her for it because mm-hmm. I felt like, why couldn't you work a normal job where we have some consistency mm-hmm. and balance? But um, that was the life she chose. And I'm thankful now. You know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty, and it is twenty twenty. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> but um, I'm thankful because that made us stronger. Like I worked a lot of part time jobs, and, and I, I was surrounded by the Korean community that does exist in the Bay Area. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: And I, it, it was just a different experience because I was the Korean dance teacher's daughter. So there mm-hmm. were expectations of me. I always spoke Korean. I was mm-hmm. a translator. If there were like parent-teacher conver- um, like conversations, I was always there translating. Mm-hmm. I always like opened the mail and like mm-hmm. translated that. I knew what bills weren't being paid. It just forced me to grow up very early.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But I couldn't stay away. Like I always sang and I started singing in jazz band in middle school, did musicals mm-hmm. in high school. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it was because we were so poor. That I just poured myself into um, the extracurricular activities that were available at school because mm. being home felt empty in a way.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, it also helped me stay out of trouble, I'm sure, because I was always doing whatever was available at school. Mm. And um, I couldn't afford like the SAT schools that my um, friends did in the Bay Area so I knew I had to compensate, test, taking skills in another way. So um, I was very busy. Like I, my my mom didn't like pressure me into going to a good university or anything like that. But mm-hmm. I just had these things for myself because in the Korean community, there is a lot of looking down on people for being divorced, mm. um, and there is a lot of judgment because my mom mom's an artist instead of mm-hmm. having like a regular job. And I felt like I had to compensate for her, like, by mm-hmm. being extra good.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
1: wanted to show people that my mom could raise us better um, than most people who had two parents, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I just worked really hard and, um, you know, singing, going to to theater. And then I ended up going to UC Irvine, which is predominantly Asian American. They joke yes. that UCI stands for, like, University of Chinese Immigrants or... University of Civics and Integras, but um, I was in the theater department, and the theater department is like definitely not predominantly Asian. And then the School of the Arts is like very different from the rest of the school.
0: And um, did you grow up with a lot of Asians in elementary school then in the Bay Area, or how how was that for you?
1: So, for elementary school, I actually grew up with a lot of Hispanics and Samoans. Mm. And um, yeah, and I was one of the few Asians there. But Mm -hmm. it was diverse, you know, I wasn't the only person of color and definitely growing up in the Bay Area and the high school that I went to there, even high school, there was more Asians too. Mm. So I didn't have the experience of being a minority in that sense.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, I felt like in the micro level, I felt like a minority when it came to my financial state. Mm. And that was the thing that I was most self-conscious about.
0: Sure. That totally Um, makes sense.
1: Yeah, and then I still felt alone because I was pursuing art.
2: Mm, Like, I felt mm -hmm. like
1: most Asian kids pursued art because it was good on their um, college resume. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I have to do band for at least four years. But for me, like, I wanted to, like, be in the musical and be the lead,
2: you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I wanted to sing the national anthem, like, at the (laughs) school rallies.
2: Yes, (laughs) you know?
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, I knew that I was always in my own world
2: in Mm. that sense. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but I, of course, I'm sure it was influenced by seeing my family perform like my whole life. Cause even my grandmother was a dance teacher. So it was just, really? yeah. And I mean, I love to dance, but singing felt like it was my own thing.
2: Mm. And it's ironic
1: because I didn't grow up with my dad, but he was a singer.
0: Interesting. Wow. So is your dad still in Korea then now?
1: Yes. He's in Korea okay. now. Um, but okay. like, yeah, once we, once our parents divorced when I was six, he moved back to Korea
2: mm. and we would actually
1: visit him every summer until I was 13. Wow. And then after that, I hadn't seen him for like another 10 years.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. Wow. I so appreciate you sharing your story. And even just, I think, I think the, the idea of wanting to fit in feels like a, one of those topics that I think so many Asian American women struggle with in various degree varying degrees like whether it's you know being the only asian or in your situation you know the economic discrepancies and just the wanting to fit in and i just i feel like there's there's so much that um, i know in my own life has has fruited out in a high performance so i'm relating to you like just this needing to be even better to overcompensate for either the lack of representation or wanting to, you know, show up the world, you know, it, it worked out okay. Or, you know, my parents have something to be proud about. Um, For sure. So, yeah, I think that that is. So do you feel like, like growing up then, you know, I, I know you're sharing just the, um, the struggles just financially and otherwise, but were there points of pain for you as an Asian American woman, as a Korean American woman? Do you have memories of that?
1: Yeah, because I, I think I became hyper sensitive to how people perceived our family
2: mm. uh, because
1: there's still that language barrier that my mom didn't understand. And Mm there's like little subtle nuances of people throwing shade or whatever when Mm -hmm. I was younger. um, Mm -hmm. I felt very sensitive to how people would approach my mother. Or Mm -hmm. um, because my mom was single, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of like older men wanting to talk to my mom and kind of like using me to talk to her. It would make me feel really uncomfortable, and in a way, mm-hmm. like learning about like early fetishizing of like an Cold. Asian woman because a lot yes. of these were like you know majority Caucasian men. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, how could you be into my mom if you don't even know her?
2: Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It can't communicate. Uh, was,
1: yeah, right. There was sense of that. I'm really grateful that I went to a high school that was racially diverse, though, because um, I it gave me that confidence to go for the lead roles right? Mm-hmm. For musicals and performing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I went to college, that's where I felt that reality of, oh, I'm still going to get typecast in a way. So mm. for like theater productions, unless it's written for an Asian, the chances of me getting that role are slim to none.
2: Mm. Um,
1: but I, I'm i glad I still had that confidence before. Uh, um, and there's also that pressure of, because I'm Asian American, I have to be great at school. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I like, oh, I knew how to play the game. Like I knew how to figure out school and get the decent grades. But when it came to test taking or whatever, like math, it really wasn't my thing. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: um, in that sense, I also felt the pressure of if I'm going to do art or music, like I have to be really good so Mm -hmm. that I could get a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. In order for them to like even consider me at all. I don't wanna be good for an Asian. Mm. I wanna be good.
0: Yeah. Right? Just period. Just standalone good. Yeah. So from the time that you were in college and even now, like the landscape is changing. I feel like mm-hmm. there's there's been some well, I think the Koreans are just crushing it. I mean I'm like <laughs> Parasite, BTS, Sandra. Oh, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. I mean, just, just, and in fact, even for this podcast, you know, I'm like, okay, we just need to sandwich people between the Koreans because there's so many, so uh, many Korean American women. So I'm so fangirling on all the Koreans. <laughs> so, but you know, there's so there are like shifts and changes. We had you know Kim's convenience and. Fresh off the boat or crazy rich rich Asians. There's just some changes that are taking place. Um, good looking, handsome Asian men, hello.
2: (laughs) It's about (laughs)
0: time. They aren't and villains. You know what I mean? So um, so there are some changes, but in your industry now, I mean, have you seen that? Have you
1: experienced that? What has it been like for you? Sure. So I'll say to the listeners that have no idea like what kind of work I do, um, after call after high school we moved to a different city and you know the summer before college is when you're supposed to hang out with your friends but for me I moved to a different city I didn't have a car and that's actually when I uploaded my first YouTube video in 2007 and it was because my friend was like I miss seeing you and hearing you sing and I was like okay Mm -hmm. I'll just upload a singing video of myself on YouTube in 2007. And I will say that that was all like timing because I wasn't posting a video because I thought it was going to go viral. I mm. did it just because I love singing and it was just a place to upload my music, my cover. And then soon I went viral simply because uh, I did an Alicia Keys cover, and someone had shared on a hip hop website. Check out this Asian girl singing Alicia Keys, <gasps> and it and it wasn't okay. Like we're going to have to link or this. bad. it it wasn't she's good or she's bad it was just check out this asian girl singing Mm -hmm. Alicia keys so um in that sense it worked to my benefit but it it was definitely interesting because with that going viral back then and then me continuously getting requests to sing people would say things like oh you'd be so good if you didn't have that asian accent and i'm like I don't have an accent, and it's you just crazy to me accent. that oh it's so my. crazy to me that people hear whatever they want to hear.
2: You know, because mm. if they close
1: like their they- eyes,
0: they wouldn't at all. There's right. no accent, so right. wow.
1: So it's like interesting because, but I do think YouTube was a platform that really exposed to, exposed people from. All of the United States, but there are other different-looking people. You know, mm-hmm, I'm sure, mm-hmm. like people in the Midwest or the South, they're like, "Wow, all these YouTubers!" And it's yeah. funny that, like, now fast-forwarding to now, me living here in the South, um, you know, a lot of them would be more approaching about, "Oh my gosh, I used to watch you on YouTube when I was younger," mm-hmm. and like to them, like that representation really did matter. Yeah. Um, and it's been a long time since then, but I feel the wave of the change because. Um, after I studied theater in college, I didn't really pursue acting, but when I'm here in Atlanta, I actually am signed with the acting agency and Mm. I do music and all this creative work. And I feel the difference of getting more auditions as an actor the past quarter,
2: Wow! like just the
1: quarter, the past quarter alone. Right. Mm. Um, and it's also, I had an opportunity to audition for two different projects where I speak Korean.
2: Wow, and all that
1: and all that resentment of me having to learn Korean <laughs> and having to translate, I was like, "Wow, God has truly set me up for success. You know yes. this is the moment I've been waiting for mm. um, so so it is interesting to see how there are parts being written for us. Mm. Um, and for me, I'm most interested in seeing a diverse set of bodies yeah. on on the work because I still think that there is a type of Asian that we mm. love to show very thin, very beautiful mm. or, um, like thin and like caricature, like, you know, mm. like, um, I can't say that we see different body shapes of Asians yet
2: That's right. or the men,
1: right. men, I've, obviously there's like that extreme of like, they're super dorky or like super good looking
0: right like right we're normal
1: people like it's just you know?
0: normal people right yeah totally no that is really really true i dream of the day when it's just normal in every every area that there would be asian americans leading out in politics in business well there are some in business but i would say you know in you know the entertainment industry and the music industry that it wouldn't be the token Asian right. um, in you know in writing in you know conference stages and speaking that's really so much of my passion is to see a generation raised up where it's a non-issue, right? But we still I think come up against you know stereotypes and um, just I, I'm I'm baffled sometimes at 2020 like right now what's you know, covering my feed right now is the whole coronavirus and how mm. Asian Americans are being um, just discriminated against for sneezing in public, you know, and right. it's just this whole um, othering that happens simply because of how we look. So, right.
1: And because it's easy,
2: mm-hmm. what's
1: difficult is actually being open to educating yourself on. Mm. Uh, the fact that that's not how it is mm-hmm. um, learning the real facts
0: yeah and, yeah
1: um actually getting to know the people
0: mhm so true that is so true well i would love to hear like you know i think you've mentioned <laughs> hindsight is 2020 where you know now knowing the language and all of that has been useful and helpful for your career and all that are there other places where you have experienced asian pride
1: yeah, definitely. A lot, of, a lot of time, if not most times, I'm really thankful. It's, it's funny because I do think even my peers, we get more grateful for our heritage as we do get older. Mm. Um, but I do think that when you feel like there's something about you that is other, you really have to change it, change your perspective to make it. How am I going to use this to make benefit?
2: Mm. You know,
1: like you, you, I, I had an audition for a musical this past week. And I was the only Asian that came to the auditions. Mm. but I know I'm going to stand out.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I
1: could, I could either think, oh, I probably don't have a chance because I don't look like everyone else.
2: Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to think
1: I have a chance because I don't look like everyone else.
0: Mm. I have that perspective shift.
1: Yeah. And I think when you have that mentality, whenever you enter a room, whether it's a job interview or whatever, you're meeting mm-hmm. someone for the first time, when you have that, idea that everything will work to your benefit. um, Mm. I think you just approach life very differently and people Mm. will gravitate towards you because they want more of that positivity. Mm. And there's also that stereotype of Asians being a lot more meek because we do practice being respectful. Yeah. Um, But I think there's something special about um, balancing that with knowing your worth.
2: Mm. And I know it
1: comes with practice
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and it's so complex, right? Because as a Korean, yes, I'm super happy that people are appreciating like BTS and Parasite and all these things. Um, but I think it'll still take time for people to understand like why Koreans strive for excellence and how mm. we were like a very poor country not so long ago, and having our own identity is something that our country struggled with, I'm sure, for a very long time. Mm we also struggle with a lot of things that have to do with our appearance mm. and like um, vanity is like a huge thing. We're also known to be like the number one plastic surgery
2: mm. country.
1: Um, even our idols, the fact that the Korean pop stars are called idols, that that's mm. what they are. We idolize them. And um, I can't say that they seem like they're necessarily like super healthy. I think it encourages a lot of, men and women to look a specific way, even within the Asian community. Yeah. And I think that's dangerous. Yeah. So um, I have pride because we are hard workers and we are talented in so many ways. But um, the fear is that we can't find our own individual voices within our community.
0: Mm, that's so good. I think that's one of the the unique places for us as Asian American women that we kind of balance like an Eastern world and a Western world. And we're pulling traits from both. So the parts that we learn that are Eastern generally of the collective and being aware of all that, but then also, you know, the valuing of the individual of our own gifting, our own contributions that are unique that, you know, cause us to stand out or do things differently. Um, I think that's one of our, what one of the gifts that we bring to the whole is the yeah. fact that we can kind of bridge both and right. we're living in both worlds simultaneously, so.
2: And,
1: and I love that you say that, you know, emphasizing the word gift, right?
2: Because mm. it's like,
1: yeah, it, it can feel like a burden we carry
2: mm. and it's like
1: a daily practice that we have to do to mm-hmm. keep it a gift. I
0: completely agree. It really is. So I'm curious because, you know, as, you know, your mom being Korean from Korea, you being first generation or 1.5 or however they, do, whatever yeah, the terms are.
2: They say it. Born
0: in Korea, raised in the US, but um, definitely having, I would imagine, like more of a uh, Western um, view, value system. Where did you? Where, where are the sources for you, the, the mentors or the role models to help you navigate some of that? Like when you look back or what, did you feel like you had to kind of cut your own path?
1: I definitely had loving people in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am a person of faith. I found um, going to church on my own. My parents stopped going once they divorced and they were Korean Americans, mm-hmm. the college students that would take time to just invest in me by tutoring me and Mm -hmm. giving me resources that I couldn't afford um, in order for me to succeed in school, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of like my creativity and finding my voice on stage,
2: of Mm -hmm. course, I
1: saw that through my mother. um, But also I had to tune it to be my own because I was a musician.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: I didn't have someone to tell me, oh, yeah, you're supposed to try to join choir and like develop your voice that way, you know, mm. how do you develop a relationship with your teacher? So they know like to write your recommendation letters for when you're applying to music schools, etc.
2: Right. You
1: know? Um, and it, I, have I've definitely gone to the unknown a lot. Mm. Um, but I didn't try to let myself think like, Oh, this is something I have to do all by myself because in a way, like when we're all entering college or, exploring different things like it's new for everyone our experiences are going to be different just because of the way we look but mm-hmm. um, um I again like I use my otherness as uh, as a gift because when so in the theater department I did feel like maybe I wouldn't get a lot of opportunities
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but when I was a freshman in college after my video went viral that's when YouTube was you know, early popping off and Mm -hmm. people would recognize me while I was on campus and um, broadwayworld.com, they did like a contest for the Little Mermaid musical that was about to come out that year. Mm. And I was a huge Disney fan. And I did a cover of the Little Mermaid and I ended up winning the grand prize. Wow. Yeah. And that's actually what got people's attention in the theater department because like everyone knew about that mm. contest. and it was the first time that i got to go to new york i was flown out yeah and i got to watch a bunch of musicals they took care of my stay i got to meet alan minkin i got to see a recording studio on how they recorded the broadway version of it and i wow. thought oh, you, really, you really could do anything you put your mind to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um uh Last week, the oh, this past week, the musical that I auditioned for was actually one of the musicals I saw off Broadway in two thousand seven, or t- yeah, two thousand seven, and it was kind of like coming full circle that I get to audition for a part for that musical.
2: Wow, um,
1: I just yeah, got goosebumps, yeah, so. <laughs> Jen, like, <laughs> head to toe. Oh my goodness, <laughs> what musical was that? It's called the twenty fifth annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Mmm. Yeah, and um, it. You know, there is a specific part where it is an Asian girl that's supposed to play it. And I remember yeah. I, when I was sitting at the, um, the hallway waiting for my turn to audition, the girl sitting next to me said, like, oh, yeah, we did this production in high school. I actually played Marcy Park because we didn't have any Asians. Mm. And I remember hearing <laughs> that and thinking, well, this again, this is to my benefit, right? Like, I didn't see any other Asians mm-hmm. in this hallway. And there's a part of me that could think like, oh, I'm only going to get a call back because I'm Asian, but mm-hmm. I know I've worked on my craft enough to know like, it's because I am gonna do a good job. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's right. So I, I think everyone does have to keep working on their gift and mm. going in on that. And um, there are going to be times where people might belittle your opportunities because mm. you just happen to be that one, but it, it is a good thing also to be that one
0: yeah that's great perspective. Yeah. Well, that kind of a little bit dovetails into my next question. Like from your experience and what you've learned, um, do you have some leadership principles that you live by, um, or leadership principles that you would want to share with a younger version of you? or you can take yeah. that question anywhere you like.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, of course, a lot of Asian Americans, young Asian Americans like tell me how I was able to pursue this. And mm-hmm. ask me, like, what if my parents don't support me?
2: Mm-hmm. And I
1: always tell them, just because your parents, like, lived the life that you did, doesn't mean that they they would support you necessarily. Like, I think everyone has to take responsibility for themselves. And mm-hmm. if you feel like your parents don't support you pursuing a creative or outlier-like job, it's because you're financially still dependent on them.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: if you want to be trusted, you have to do trustworthy work,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that includes doing work that you don't want to do. Um, and I've had many years of working so many odd jobs. I've worked at Lolly Cup. I've worked Lollicup. at sushi. I've worked, I worked at Sephora. I've worked at a salon as a front desk girl. I worked mm-hmm. at an ice cream shop, scooping ice cream. You know, I've done a lot of odd jobs. And I still ha- did music throughout that time. Mm. And when people tell me that um, it's hard because their parents don't want them to do it, I tell them, well, if you're living on your own and you're paying your own bills, they don't really have a say. Mm. But if you're still living under their roof, they're still covering your phone bill.
2: Mm-hmm. Whatever
1: mm. it is, this is why. Because they worry for you. Mm. because you're financially dependent on them and they can't imagine you sticking it out. Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: And I learned at a very young age that my mom couldn't support me. Mm -hmm. And I knew once I graduated college, I wouldn't even have student loans anymore and I had to somehow pay my dues, literally. Mm -hmm. So yeah, my mom never really had a say on how I lived my life and she didn't expect to.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But for those of you who are like feeling like, oh, my Asian parent doesn't support me, it's because you don't support yourself.
0: Hmm. Wow. So that's a pretty like hard truth, but it's, mm-hmm. there is a lot. I mean, you have to do hard things. And I think sometimes um, the dream is, you know, so appealing, but the mm-hmm. work that it requires to, you know, do hard things is, is part of, part of, I guess maturing and growing up and, and, and with that, the, the investment into the craft and, you know, make the, so I I see in you such resilience to be able to just see it and, and do the work in order to be able to have it come to pass. So that's, that's really great. Okay. So I'm curious in your creative process, like in songwriting in all of that, like, do you, do you um, operate by like inspiration where like, you know, you wake up at two in the morning and you pull out a pen and you start writing lyrics or is it something where you actually set aside time or you have to go away someplace? Like, how does that work for you?
1: I'm actually getting to a point now where I do want to set aside time instead of just letting inspiration just come over me. But <laughs> absolutely, if something like a melody comes and like a line I just can't get out of my head, Nowadays, mm-hmm. we have our phone. So I just put yes. it on my voice memo. Um, mm. But I've been scheduling time with my producer now, like once a week where I'm going to go into the studio with him. But I am, <laughs> a, I'm very much a planner. So we've already made a game plan of how this year is going to look. Like I actually finished recording a song today before I saw you. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah. So hopefully that'll come out in February. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, I just have a game plan of how I'm going to release all this. Um, but I do want to get into the discipline of just writing down my thoughts and like journaling. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: but, um, yeah, that's something that you just have to set aside time for because, um, for me, because I have all these odd jobs, I do like social media management through a media company. I do music. I'm still auditioning.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: it's so easy to let like the things that I have to do get in my way. Mm-hmm. Um, So yeah, let inspiration take over when you want to, but um, just being able to have that time where I know I'm going to go see my producer at least once a week,
0: Mm -hmm. I know there
1: will be like designated time to just write.
0: Yeah, that's so exciting. Well, I can't wait to connect people (laughs) to your work.
1: And I
0: remember seeing one of your your videos um, when we first got connected, and I think it's your husband playing guitar and you're singing. Is that right on the sofa? No, my or husband just... does
1: not play guitar. Okay, so fortunately. <laughs> oh, it's my apologies like for my... the <laughs> assumption. <laughs> it's all good. It's probably like my brother from another mother. Oh, yes, um, yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, They're I definitely have though. worked
1: with. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I love singing live. I think mm. that's actually something that um, music these days doesn't have as much of because mm. producers really can make everyone sound great. Yeah, um,
0: that's true. But
1: you know, to be able to just sing it down, strip down with the guitar—that's mm-hmm. my bread and butter. That's how I got started. I love that.
0: Well, this is what is so so uh, remarkable to me about the Asian American community. It's like we didn't have representation on network television, so mm-hmm. we took to YouTube and took over. Like it just—it's just there's a whole sub world of right. talent that gets surfaced because there's a way and i think about um i think it's viola davis that had the quote like the only difference between us and women of color white white women and women of color doing something is opportunity like it's there's not it's not an issue of talent or determination or drive it's really opportunity and so i love that you were able to utilize youtube as an avenue to be able to um, on-ramp to the things that you are seeking to do. So that's really, really cool.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I always say that um, I wasn't calculative when it came to YouTube. I know people can be now, Mm -hmm. but really if you love something and you're doing it, naturally people will see that you really love what you're doing.
2: Mm -hmm. And then the
1: people that you resonate with will continue to share it because it means something to them. Yeah, So it has yeah. to mean something to you for it to mean something to someone else. So just work on the heart of the matter, whatever that is.
0: Mm, that sounds so good. Okay, fun question. Um, what are some of your favorite Asian comfort foods?
1: Ooh, okay. I really like Korean fried chicken.
2: Oh, and yes. Because
1: they're like double fried. Mm. And then I really like the sauce because it's like spicy, but like sweet.
2: mm. My and mouth is I watering.
1: Also, yes. <laughs> and you know, like spicy rice cake? Mm-hmm. I love that. But I also add, adding it's like the pig intestine sausage mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. If you dip that in the sauce, it's the best.
0: Ooh. Okay. We need yeah. to try that when we get together. We should. We Whatever should. coast we are on, we will <laughs> make that happen. That is so great. Well, how can people connect with you
1: yeah, um, you can find me um, all my like YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. It's all Jennifer J. Chung, C-H-U-N-G uh, mm-hmm. for Chung. And yeah, if you just look up Jennifer Chung on Google, I've made sure that the first... Page of Jennifer Chung is homie me <laughs> ten years, so please is, check out my stuff.
0: Definitely, yeah. that's the difference between you and me because Mabuni is so unique. Like, oh. there's no one that took Vivian Mabuni but special. or Viv.
2: That's yeah.
0: <laughs> so like, but yes, Jennifer Chung. I could see how that could potentially, you know.
1: Yeah, there, and it's funny because now I could like Google like Jennifer Chung, and then someone will ask like add lawyer or yeah. dentist, you know? Right.
0: Like artists, right. Jennifer right. J. Chung,
1: right? Right. And then so. you could find like my music on all music platforms. Uh, every stream counts, you know, um, mm. and I, there are playlists on Spotify specifically for Asian Americans, but it makes a difference when we get featured on the non-Asian American one because, um, it just spreads like wildfire when it comes to wow. the demographics.
0: Yeah. Okay. So everyone go and download and listen and Yay. share. This is a, always a good, good thing. So it's wonderful, wonderful. Well, I have so appreciated time to get to know you a little bit better and just love your willingness to share your story, the good parts, the hard parts, and, um, and who you are and who you're becoming. So this has really been such a rich time. I really appreciated time with you. Thank
1: you so much. It's, it's been such a joy. And every time I have talks like these, I'm, I'm reminded by how special it is for us to be Asian American and um, to represent who we do and the things that we do.
0: Mm, that's a good word that's a good word well happy new year and I'm excited for all that's going to happen in your life in these in this next year I think it's in this next year and the next decade so everyone go follow Jennifer J. Chan, right at all the places and um, yeah we are going to be cheering you on loudly so thanks for being on today thank you Thank you for joining us this week on Some Days Here. If you've liked what you've heard, please take a moment and subscribe to the show so that each new episode automatically downloads to your device every week. And thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends. We would love for you to rate and review the show so that others can find out about us. A special thank you to the brilliant team that makes Some Days Here possible. The Someday is Here logo is designed by Jocelyn Chung. The original music is by Joseph Patrick with Passion Net Productions. Show notes on the website are by Vicki Pham. The sound engineer is Aaron Kretzman. The director of design and website designer is Kenny Wong. And the executive producer is Chantel Reynolds. Have a great week, and we look forward to you joining us again for another episode of Someday is here.